0: This is the Money Savvy Podcast from MoneyWeb, where we tackle personal finance matters with leading financial advisors. Your host, Buitumelo Nsoko. Welcome to the
1: Money Savvy Podcast. I'm Buitumelo Nsoko. Many parents often wonder what's the best way to pass on wealth to the next generation. Very often, parents consider this as part of their estate planning. But could giving your children an early inheritance be an option? And what are the benefits of doing so for parents and the children? To discuss this further, I'm joined by Maria Spenwick, who is a certified financial planner at WealthUp. Welcome, Maria. Thank you,
0: Chibi. Thank you for having me.
1: So, is it better to give your children an inheritance while you are alive? I mean, I think all
0: of us as parents want to help our children. And I think if we're in a position to do so, I think absolutely. But I think one needs to take a few things into consideration. You know, I think it's it's very noble to, to help children, but one's got to think about going forward and the future. And I often tell my clients, Be mindful of what you give away. First think about your income in retirement. That can work against you and to your detriment. So I think there's a few things that one's got to look at. One's got to look at the family dynamics, is the multi-generation kind of family, the relationships between those children. Because if you give to the one, you should technically give to the others as well. And eventually start getting a snowball effect on your on your financial planning. And then of course one's got to look at the things like genetics, what's the life expectancy? Um, is the plan, is parents still alive? I look, if you look at today's, today's environment, a lot of people close to or even in retirement are still supporting their parents. And that's quite a costly affair. If you look at something like a you know high-care facilities, you know that's, that can be north of 25,000 a month. So there's a lot of things that one's got to consider before one does start giving away, you know, away the, the funds that are actually earmarked for your income the day that you retire.
1: Now, just staying on that, what are other factors that you need to consider before embarking on this? Well, I think
0: what one's got to bear in mind as well, um, you know, the taxman always wants his dues. He doesn't necessarily have to wait until you die to get his, to get his, his, um, his stay duty. So as soon as you start donating or giving assets away, that's subject to a donation tax of 20%. Sure, there's 100,000 rand abatement a year that you can get as a write-off, and you know that can accumulate to 200,000 rand between spouses. But yeah, the 20% donation tax, one's got to be mindful of it. And then if you do give away, always do the calculation. Um, you know, We normally work, we try and draw less than 4% on investment value as income, so if you do give or do you, if you're planning in, in donating some of your of your wealth, just go and do the calculations here, right? If I've given away X, Y, Z, do I have sufficient capital if I draw less than 4% that will still provide me with a sustainable income? You know, that's the case. And I think the monetary side is fine that you should have a, um, you know, sufficient wealth to give away. But, you know, we just got to be mindful that the of future unknown expenses, you know, I mentioned the thing about frail care, medical costs go up as you get older. Capital expenses like replacing vehicles, your lifestyle choices, are you going to move to a, to a retirement village, overseas holidays, etc. As soon as you start giving money away and you don't have a source of regular income, you've got to rely on your investments, all those become effective if you start reducing your capital pool.
1: Now, some parents struggle with whether to give their beneficiaries equal shares of their inheritance or to give more to beneficiaries with a greater need. Regardless of when the beneficiaries get their inheritance, how should a parent navigate the scenario?
0: It's a tough one. You know, we see in our daily lives that money is a divider of families. You know, we find so often that different children perceive different value to different assets. So the one thing, if you don't treat all equally and all fairly, it can cause a lot of reductions. And I think at the, at the onset, one, whatever one decides to do and to give to whoever, I think this should be discussed with a, the with a children and with the larger family. So there's no surprises when, you know, when the world gets red someday. But I think that one should bear in mind is that inheritance is, a, is multigenerational. In other words, what I mean by that is that I might have two children or three children, unless I've got two children, and my one child might have one child, and my other child might have three children, so it's the four grandchildren. So the inheritance that goes to my two children will at some point feed down to the grandchildren. So if those families or those two children get exactly the same amount, unless you mention the, the grandchildren in your in your will as well, which is a probably the way that we we'll would suggest you do. You know, take a percentage, say for instance, just just arbitrary figure, say 70% goes to my children, 30% of my grandchildren, uh, divided equally. But if you say my two children are going to inherit at, let say 25% each, my spouse is going to get 50%. Eventually, when they pass on, or when they when they set up their wills. The one child's obviously going to have, a the one grandchild's going to have substantial benefit compared to the three grandchildren. So when it comes to the planning, as I say, we always look at it as a multi-generational kind of planning. And then how do you treat children with different sizes? Then special needs children probably justify getting a larger portion of the buy. And if you've got a child that's either disabled or has a learning disability or just can't earn an income, um, and it comes back to the family dynamics, and we haven't had a situation where the larger family will say, you know what, we don't mind standing back and getting a small inheritance or not inheriting at all, but let Paul, Peter, Sue, or whatever it might be, let them get the bulk of the of the assets, or at least let it go sit in the trust until he's passing, and then we're quite happy to, to inherit. So it all comes back to discussion and comes back to the family dynamics. I think that's incredibly, incredibly important. And what we've seen as well is that Wealth differentials can play a huge role um, you know, when, it, when it comes to allocating, allocating inheritance. So if we look at a, let's say, second parent passing, and let's just make a, a an example of a, let's say, a farmer. Let's say that the dad passed away and there was a son and two daughters. The son inherited the farm, I'm talking about 10, 15 years ago, and each daughter inherited, let's say, one and a half million rand. Over time, after, let's say the mom lives for another 15 years, in that time, that farm might have grown to a value of 25 or 30 million rand. Yet the one and a half million rand that they inherit now from uh, that they inherited must probably grew to a five or a six million rand. So the differential is huge. So now the question must be asked: If the mom passes away, should that be equalised and maybe benefit the two daughters, um, or is everyone going to inherit again on an equal base? So again it's a it's an issue that's gotta be discussed with I think all the people that's gonna uh, that's going to inherit. But there's a lot of intricacies in, in when it comes to the estate planning side and how to draft the walls and you should get what.
1: Now if someone chooses to give beneficiaries their inheritance early, is it better to distribute this inheritance in small portions over time? I think it
0: depends on what the what the inheritance is for or the donation. Let's talk about a donation, it's not a inheritance at that point. You know, if it's for is it for cash flow? Is it to buy a house? Is it to start a business? You know, so if it's for buying a house or starting a business, obviously you want to look at a at a lump sum distribution or a or a loan or a gift or whatever you want to do. If it's a monthly cash flow just to get them on their feet, then obviously the smaller amounts will amounts will apply. But once again, one's got to just be mindful. You know, of the amount that you're giving away and the affordability and what your own income is going to be at retirement. And, and once again, one's gotta be there's gotta be fairness between the children. Um, you know, if you give to the one, you don't give to the others, uh, as I said, money is a big divider in families. So whatever one does, it's gotta be, I think, accepted by everybody and, and fair to everybody. Instead of giving them money, it's probably a better idea of of setting up a loan agreement and saying, listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you three million Rand. We're going to draw up a loan agreement. I'm going to lend you the 3 million rand. But in the world, you can then stipulate that 3 million rand doesn't have to be recalled as part of the inheritance. That's one way you can actually overcome the donation tax because there's a loan, and that loan will be seen as an asset in the, in the estate. And you can just deal with that loan, um, as I say, as a to, to the to the child that you lent that money to.
1: Now, what are some of the best ways to pass on an inheritance? Let's say, for instance, a house or maybe share portfolios.
0: So, if you, it depends on the different assets. Cash is always the easiest thing to distribute. We find property causes a lot of problems. You know, if you've got three children and let's say there's one property, and it's about my three children are going to inherit the property. It's always a case of the one wants to sell, the other one wants to live there, the other one wants to rent it out. If all three are the same mindset and saying, right, we're just going to sell the property and divide it, that that's fine. But we often find that there's a, there's a conflict. And first of all, they, each each child has a different feeling about their property. Some are more emotionally attached to it. And some attaches a bigger value, a monetary value to it than others. So take normally is unless there's a, a real good reason, rather probably stipulate that the property should be sold and the proceeds should be distributed. Um, if there 's a second property and even a even like a family holiday home, the different children see different ways you know one child might say you know i live overseas i 'm never going to see it pay me out i don 't want to i don 't want to own a part of that uh, of that property so if there 's one child that really that really is keen on the property um write it in some way that that child 's got the option to buy the other two's out the other two out with the other other part of the inheritance they'll receive um when a cash is quite easy, family heirlooms and sentimental items, is also a bit of a tough one. It depends, you know, who's got more emotional attachment to family heirlooms and stuff that was passed on down the family. It all depends on the assets. Cash, obviously, is the easiest thing to do. You mentioned shares. If if the children or the people that receive the shares or the, or the investment, if they're familiar with it, and it falls within their risk profile, by all means, transfer the shares as is. If they're not and they're not keen on on, on, on pursuing it, so rather rather set in their estate and do a cash distribution, and they can set up the investments like they want to.
1: And how would trust come into the situation?
0: So a, a trust works. I think a trust works very very well if you if you've got a, a special needs child or someone that you've got to leave money to that's not very disciplined with money. You know, so, and obviously minor children. So that you know, then trusts work very, very well. A trust also works well if you transfer assets before they've actually gone through a substantial growth phase. So if you start up a business, um, you know, start it in the name of a trust. If you buy a property, maybe buy it in a in a trust, provided it's not your, your primary residence, um, because capital gains tax, there's no abatements in, in trusts and obviously the inclusion rate is much, much higher in trust than in individuals' names. So one can during your lifetime um, between spouses, you can donate 200,000 Rand either to children or to a or to a trust. Um, that will reduce your your estate value to start off one and it'll build the value inside the trust. And then of, of course if you pass away um, you've got a three and a half million Rand abatement. You can trust that you can transfer that into the trust. Um, and if both parties pass away um, over a certain period, that can push it up by seven million rand. So uh, feeding the trust, obviously by by um, by donating, one can also go and lend money to the trust. So you can take money, stick it in the trust, also draw up a loan agreement. That loan agreement will remain a asset inside your inside your estate. You have to attach a interest on that loan. Our um, SARS is going to demon interest, and they're going to they're going to um, tax you on, on a deemed interest if you don't put down an interest. And then the day that you pass away, you can either bequeath that also to the trust or um, the trust can pay that money back to your estate. and can be distributed according to your will. But it doesn't make sense to, at the end of your planning phase, and you put it in your will, um, right, X Y Z has got to go, to go to a trust. Unless it's a testament, you trust for minor children. Else it's just going to be too expensive once it's... Uh, goes into the trust for one, and um, then obviously the, the taxes applicable inside the trust.
1: And how does giving your children their inheritance while you're alive affect your estate planning? So I think it affects your
0: financial planning more than your or your retirement planning more than your actually estate planning. As I say, it will it will reduce your your estate value. If you give it away, you're going to pay more taxes while you're alive through donations tax. So that's why I mentioned the. The rather creating a loan than a donation, but the big thing is that be mindful what you give away because that's going to have an impact on what you can earn going forward once you retire. So as, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a much bigger it's a much bigger impact on on the retirement planning than, than it is on estate planning.
1: If you are giving away some of your assets while you're alive, does the need for life cover decrease?
0: Well, it depends on your liabilities. You know, life cover should only be there as a liability. And if I say liabilities, it can be in the form of um, liquidity that's required inside your estate. And that liqui- liquidity can be driven by what income does your spouse require or your surviving, what uh, the surviving spouse require. Do you have debt, etc.? So it, it can, but it can also increase the requirement for for life cover. If the liquidity drops below a level where there's sufficient capital to fund um, sufficient income, then you'll have to look, probably look at more life cover. Um, instead of the other way around when you do proper planning and reduce your, your debt and your liabilities up to, up to retirement.
1: Thank you, Marius. That was Marius Finwick, who is a certified financial planner at WealthUp.
0: Thanks for listening to the Money Savvy podcast, hosted by Brita Mello and Sokol. To listen to more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.